What are you grateful for? I was recently asked this question, a question that I occasionally ask others. But when it was asked of me, I wasn't really taken back, but I was silent. Because I didn't want to sound trite, and the person asking the question has been struggling with her sense of self, her understanding of God, and the goodness of life. What are you grateful for? This is important to reflect upon, especially during these days of unrest and discord, not only in our nation, but around the world, and in our personal relationships, where people seem to be drawing lines in the sand regarding what they believe on a whole host of topics, political, emotional, theological, justice-related. For what am I grateful? For the all of life. This means my struggles, my joys, my failures, my accomplishments. I'm grateful even for my brokenness, for not one of us is never not broken. We are puzzles, you and me, and it's up to us to determine how we wish to piece together this mystery we call life. So I'm grateful that we, I, can begin again, I'm even happy, not to sound trite, that I can break, for in my brokenness, I can remake myself, ask forgiveness of others if need be, and open myself once again to the God of new beginnings, the God of resurrection. In our gospel this morning, we hear the story of the feeding of the 5,000, as recorded in John's gospel. This story about the feeding of the multitude is recorded not only in John, but in all the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In fact, it's the only miracle of Jesus found in all four of the Gospels. Now granted, each of the authors have their own twist and take on the story, but the core message is the same. A large crowd gathered, the Passover was at hand, it was time for an evening meal, And Jesus asks a very innocent question. Listen now to John's read on what took place. Sometime after, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up to a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming to him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and those gathered sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, 
and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. The question Jesus asked was, how are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He knew the answer before he even asked it. They didn't have enough money. And even if they had, where would they have gotten provisions for such a large crowd? Now, a little cul-de-sac here. Were there really 5,000? Probably not. How many were there? We don't know. But we do know, as the biblical numerology does its thing, when there is an exaggerated number, that means there are a lot of people. So there were a lot of people there. I mean, because Matthew says 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So anyway, there were a lot of people. They were hungry. And Jesus says, how are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Philip's reply came from a place of fear and scarcity, not belief in abundance. Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So often, where we stand determines what we see, how we respond, and what we think. Philip was standing in a place of what's not possible rather than what could be. There are too many people. That's what Philip saw. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, speaks up. Here is a boy with five barley loaves and two fish. At first, the statement is full of possibilities, but then the but comes as he continues, but how far will they go among so many? A place of expansiveness becomes a place of constriction. Belief becomes unbelief in a blink of an eye. We are puzzles, you and me. And it's up to us to determine how we wish to piece together this mystery we call life. Both Andrew and Philip went to a place of pessimism, as we so often do, but not so the young boy. He brought forth what he had and offered it freely. Now, we know nothing about him except he was young, he was male, he had food, and he offered it. On some level, he believed that he had enough to offer, otherwise he would have kept it to himself. He wasn't jaded by skepticism or unbelief, as we adults too frequently are. No, he offered what he had, believing it was enough. This is an invitation for each of us, to believe that we are enough to offer what we have, the power of one. Reminds me of a prayer attributed to St. Teresa of Avila, that 16th century Spanish mystic. She wrote, or tradition says she did, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, 
no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Gratitude is a state of being, of changing one's perspective to see the world and life full, full of what's possible instead of what isn't. Gratitude has to do with wakefulness, being alert, open to life, believing in the expansiveness of the human spirit, not in the restrictedness of it. Jesus modeled this when he instructed his disciples, have the people sit down. Then he took what he offered. He took what he had, offered a prayer of thanks to God, and they all had all that they needed. The bread multiplied like magic. Some might say this, I wouldn't. Have the people sit down is a posture of receiving. And after giving thanks for both the fish and the bread, Everyone had as much as they wanted. The miracle on that hillside? Everyone shared what they too had brought with them. The generosity of the child opened not only clenched fists, but bags, backpacks, and purses containing bread and fish and God knows what else. And it was enough. Now this is only one take on this story. And regardless whether for you the loaves miraculously multiplied or that those who were there shared they had brought with them, a miracle took place. And everyone had not just enough, but more than enough, with baskets overflowing, 12 of them following. The text said when they had all had enough to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, gather all the pieces. Let nothing be wasted. Here we gain another insight into the heart of Jesus. When he told the disciples to gather the leftovers, I see this as a metaphor that we are to waste nothing. Food, resources, our fellow brothers and sisters. No one, no one is to be wasted. Through the power of one, the world can change for no one is expendable. No one is outside the realm of God's amazing, all-embracing love. But it is up to us. So the power in each of us, the power of one brought together, becomes the power of the many. In 1982, Beirut was closed, and the Sisters of Charity, that's Teresa of Calcutta's outfit or order, they were there. They were given permission to bring children who had been abandoned in an orphanage across the, the border, but they had 24 hours to do it and they could only bring one child at a time. One of Sister Teresa's sisters said to her, Mother, we can't possibly make a difference. Does that sound like Philip and Andrew? 
Teresa, however, believed in God's presence and out of abundance of the present moment told her sisters, we will bring each child one at a time. And in 24 hours, 36 spastic children, totally feeble, were brought across the border. An amazing story, yes. An unbelievable story, you bet. A true story, absolutely. Just as amazing as the feeding of the 5,000. What we see depends on where we stand. I'm reminded by Brother Pedro of the Teze community who told our group a number of years ago, we are only limited by our imagination. A grateful heart, my friends, can change the world because a person full of gratitude sees things differently. A person of gratitude doesn't take no as the end of the story. On the contrary, a person of gratitude seeks always to find the yes. For gratitude, my friends, is a way of being, living, where we remember who we are, where we remember what we know, where we remember that we are enough because the spirit of the living God dwells within us. So believe. Believe that you are enough because you are. Know that you have all, all that you need, and that the words of Teresa of Avila are true.